Hi guys, and welcome to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please welcome to the show five amazing actresses who not only made their appearances on the big screen and won many Academy Awards for their performances, but also for bringing their talents to the microphone. Please welcome Miss Agnes Moorhead, Ayla Pino, Claire Trevor, Nancy Kelly, and Miss Miriam Hopkins in The Tale of the Sisters. In this first episode starring Miss Ayla Pino and Agnes Moorhead, they play a set of twin sisters who look the same but have very different personalities. And in the second episode, please welcome Miss Nancy Kelly and Miss Claire Trevor as they play one is the big sister and the other is the little sister that have a dramatic event happen to them in their childhood and one is forced to keep the promise that she made to her little sister. The first episode is called The Sisters and it appeared on CBS Suspense and the second episode is called The Tale of the Two Sisters and it also appeared on Suspense and the final episode please welcome Miss Ag- Miss Miriam Hopkins as she plays a role in an older sister named Emily in the NBC mystery show Inner Sanctum Mysteries. I hope you guys will enjoy the show. Please comment and subscribe. Thanks. Roma Wines present Suspense. Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud! Your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the man in black, here to introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight as stars, we bring you two of Hollywood's outstanding actresses, Miss Ida Lupino and Miss Agnes Moorhead. And so with the remarkable tale of the sisters and with the performances of Ida Lupino as Lydia Haskell and Agnes Moorhead as Ellie, Roma Wines again hope to keep you in suspense. It has a far superior lining, pure silk, much heavier than the others we've looked at. Uh, do you care for this one, Miss Haskell? Oh, yes. That's very nice. But I believe I'd like to see something perhaps even a little better. Oh, of course. If you just step over this way, Miss Haskell. Now here, here is an exquisite casket. 
is something that really does honor to the departed. Yes, it's beautiful. Now, the interior is just the same as the last, but the casket itself is of bronze, solid bronze. Well, won't that be rather heavy? Yes, but not too heavy. Will there be six pallbearers? I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter, really. Four men can carry this very easily. Very. Miss Haskell, I want you to notice the floral design here. All hand-wrought, every bit of it. And, uh, oh, yes, notice the seams in this casket. Airtight and watertight, guaranteed. You know, of course, how important that is. Yes. Yes. But this casket in a hundred years, or even two hundred years, will be just as strong and will look just as beautiful as it does on this stand today. You couldn't buy a finer piece of workmanship. How much is this one, please? This casket? A Duravo, by the way. Duravo for durability, we say in the trade. This casket is priced at, uh, you see, $775. But we can't bring back the departed. No, our only solace is the knowledge that we've done them the last possible honor. Very well. I'll take this one. Well, I'm sure you're making a very wise choice. In all my years as a mortician, I've never found a family that regretted money spent on a Duravo. And now, uh, let me see... I'll give you a check. Oh, no, that won't be necessary. Not immediately. After the funeral will do. Oh, by the way, we haven't mentioned it. Are, uh, are we handling the uh, funeral arrangement? I really don't know yet. Oh, well, uh, you want the casket delivered somewhere? No. I'd like you to hold it for a while, please. Hold it? But uh, for how long? For three weeks. Uh, <clears throat> three weeks? I don't understand. Who is the party, the deceased? Who is this casket for? It's for me. You have heard the prologue to this evening's suspense play, The Sisters. Before we return to the scene of our drama, here is a message from your host, the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. You remember the old saying, the grass is always greener in the other fellow's yard? You might agree with the truth of that statement if you happen to overhear a conversation that might easily be taking place at this moment in the smart and festive Club Montmartre in Havana, Cuba. An American has just complimented his Cuban friend on the fine quality of Havana tobacco. Graciously, the Cuban replies, but you of the United States need have no envy of us. Nature has made a great gift of perfection to your country, too. The magnificent wine which we also enjoy. It is Roma wine, made in your own California. Friends, that little anecdote is typical of many countries where wine is truly enjoyed. For in other lands, Roma wines must be imported over long distances from our own California. A luxury to be enjoyed on special occasions. While lucky you can enjoy these superb Roma wines as a daily delight, with no import duty, no expensive shipping charges added to your cost for Roma wines. Whichever one of Roma wines' many types your own taste test names as favorite, you'll agree here is truly superb wine that could come only from truly choice wine districts. And you'll say, no wonder Roma wines are America's largest selling wines. I'll spell out the name for you. R-O-M-A. Roma Wines. 
Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that Roma Wines bring back to our soundstage Ida Lupino as Lydia Haskell and Agnes Moorhead as Ellie in The Sisters. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I've been shopping. What did you buy? Did you get the ribbons I asked for? No, I didn't have time. Oh, I wanted some new ribbons. My others are all worn out. See, Lydia? Ellie, I wish you'd stop putting ribbons in your hair like a schoolgirl. You're almost 40 years old. I know, Lydia. I know. Well, then try to act like it. Hand me my sewing and light the lamp. It's getting dark. Oh, I wonder why we have to grow old. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we'd always stayed young like we used to be? Did you remember when Mother used to send us to school with our ribbons matching and our dresses matching? And at the end of the day, no one would even guess we were sisters because I was always so mussed and you were always so clean. <laughs> oh, I wish we were young again, Lydia. Stop talking nonsense, Ellie. It is nonsense, isn't it? Oh, oh, the doorbell rang while you were out just before you came home. You didn't answer? Oh, no, you told me never to answer it. I just looked out of the upstairs window. Did you see who it was? Oh, yes. It was a man, a rather big man. He rang a long time, and then he went away. Well, he didn't see you, did he? Oh, no. I just peeked ever so carefully from behind the curtains. Then I came down here and watched him going down the walk. You came downstairs? Yes, I came... I told you never to come down those stairs when I'm not in the house. It was all right, Lydia. I held on very tight to the balusters all the way, and I didn't once look down the stairwell, so I didn't get dizzy, and I didn't want to jump. Well, don't do it again. It was just that I was lonely. I didn't think you were ever coming home. Lydia, you didn't tell me what you bought. Hmm? Oh, a Duravo. What's that? What's a Duravo? Don't ask so many questions, Ellie. All right. Lydia, I think I'll sew, too. I could fix up one of these old ribbons. May I, Lydia? Yes. Yes, so. It'd be good for you. Thank you. Yes? Lydia, could I go shopping someday? Don't be a fool, Ellie. I'm, I'm sorry. I just thought... No, I suppose you're right. It wouldn't do. Not yet. There wasn't any mail today. Wasn't there? No, I thought perhaps there'd be a letter from David. It's been such a long time since he's written. Hasn't it? I haven't noticed. Oh, yes. He used to write every week. On Tuesday. And I'd get the letter on Thursday. But there wasn't one this week or last or the week before that. It's strange, isn't it? But perhaps he's been busy. Perhaps. Still, he never used to be too busy to write. I can't understand it. You suppose there's some other reason? What are you trying to say, Ellie? Are you hinting that perhaps I'm keeping your mail from you? Oh, no. Well, you seem to be. Why should I keep David's letters from you? But I didn't say that. I just said it was strange that David hasn't written that all. You wouldn't keep David's letters. I know that, Lydia. Go on with your sewing. Oh, yes. I want to finish these ribbons. Stop singing that. Stop it. But, Lydia, it's a hymn. I've always sung. I don't care. I said stop. 
Or learn something else. That's all you sing, day and night, day and night. The same tune, over and over and over. Now stop it. Lydia. Lydia, sometimes you frighten me. The way you look at me, you make me think that, that perhaps I'm not getting well. Perhaps I'm still crazy. I'm not. I'm not still crazy, am I, Lydia? I'm not. Yes. Evening. Are you Miss Lydia Haskell? Why, yes. Well, can I speak to you for a minute? I was here this afternoon, but there was no one home. What is it, please? Well, we had a call from Dome Brothers, the undertakers. I'm from the police department. Really? Well, I don't see what the police could want with me. Come in if you wish. Thanks. Sit down. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> there's nothing we want, Miss Haskell, except it's sort of unusual for a woman to order a casket for herself. Unusual? I've heard of many cases of that kind. People who are alone in the world and have no one else to look after things. Sure, I know. Only it's a little more unusual when you can name the date. The undertaker said you wanted the casket held for three weeks. Why three weeks? Must be some reason for it. Yes, there is. I'm going to die. I shall die in three weeks, or perhaps even before. There's no doubt of it in my mind, and that's why I ordered the casket. You may call it a premonition if you want. Maybe I could also call it suicide. That's why I'm here, Miss Haskell. I don't know whether you know it, but suicide is a crime in the eyes of the state. For which there is no punishment. Not if it's successful, no. But there is prevention. You see, I know I'm going to die. I feel it. But I have no intention of taking my own life. There's no need to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Haskell, this uh, premonition, as you call it, have you any idea what... what brought it on? No. You've been speaking to anyone? No fortune tellers or anything like that? No. Well, what makes you so sure? How do you know you can trust this premonition? You're not an old woman. I'd say you're in pretty good health. You have a lot of good years ahead of you. I have a religion. Not a church religion, just one of my own. It preaches that people go on living until they've outgrown their usefulness. Then they die. From one cause or another. When that time comes, the desire to live is gone. And you see, only desire keeps the body alive and breathing. I don't understand that. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Miss Haskell, you live alone here? Yes. No relatives? No housekeeper? I live alone here. Pretty large house for a person living alone. Yes. There are three floors and far too many rooms. But it's on the outskirts of town and it's quiet. And it gives me the privacy I've been looking for. A privacy which you are invading for the first time since I moved here five years ago. 
Sorry, Miss Haskell. I'm only doing my job. I was told to look you up and find out why you bought that casket. And I think we may assume your job is over. I guess so. But the office might ask me to drop back once in a while, you know, just to keep in touch. I won't be at home. Why? You don't go out very much. The folks in the town say they don't even see you more than once a week, maybe. When you come, I won't be at home. All right. Sorry to bother you. Good night. Good night. Uh, oh, uh, Miss Haskell, how are you going to die? I don't know. Nor do I consider it important. Why should you? Good night. What are you doing down here? What are you doing sitting on the steps in the dark? Lydia. Haven't I told you never to come down here at night? Lydia. Or what do you want? I heard that man who was here. Lydia, why did you buy the casket? Why are you going to die? You mustn't, Lydia. You mustn't die. I'd be alone if you died. And you know what would happen? They'd send me away like they did once before. The people in the town would come and find me living here and they'd send me away. Go up to bed, Ellie, and go to sleep. How can I sleep? Oh, Lydia, you won't die. Promise me you won't. I promise you. I'll go to bed. But why did you buy the casket? And the things you said to that man as if you wanted to die. Why, Lydia? Why do you want to die? I don't want to die. No one does. No, you have such a lot to live for, haven't you, Ellie? Yes. I've been happy, Lydia. You've made me happy. And someday when I'm well again, I'll go back home and David will be waiting for me. You know he'll be there. You've always told me he'll be waiting. And he'll see that I'm well again and he'll take me back. I'm not so old, am I? David won't see me as old. He told me that when I was well, no matter how long it took, he'd still see me as a young girl. That's why I'd be happy. Just waiting for the time I can go back to David. Ellie, haven't you learned yet? Don't you know yet that you're mad? And that you'll always be mad? No, don't say that. I'm getting better, Lydia. You know I'm getting better. Yes. Putting bows in your hair. Sewing ribbons all day long. Sneaking about the house at night, spying on me. Singing the same hymn over and over and over. Until I think I'm going mad, too. Is that why you want to die? To get away from me? I thought you loved me, Lydia. Why should I love you? Look what life has given me and tell me why. You've always spoiled everything for me, Ellie. Even from the time we were children. How could I spoil everything? We were just like the same child, Lydia. Twins, you were I and I was you. We looked the same, yes. We were born the same day, yes. And that's where it ended. You were the nice one. I used to hear them say so. You were even the prettiest, they said. As if they could see any difference between us. Whatever you wanted, you had. You smiled so beautifully. But I never smiled. Though I was the sullen one, the dark cloud in the house. You made it so, Lydia. We all loved you. When a doll was broken, they gave you mine. When you tore your dancing dress, you'd take mine. You gave it to me, Lydia. I remember you gave it to me. I've always given things to you, Ellie. I gave you the best of everything we had. I've given you my whole life. I even gave you David. Lydia, you were in love with David. He came to our house. Was it you he came to see? Oh, Lydia, I didn't know. No, you never knew. No one did. I had to stand by and watch you take him from me. And when you had your first attack, I was glad. People said what a shame it was. But I was very glad. Lydia. Because I knew then that he could never have you. 
Oh, yes, you were going to be cured, and he was going to wait. It won't matter how long he waits. You'll never be cured, and he'll never have you. Never. You hate me. You've always hated me. I see it now. Even when you've been taking care of me. When we came to this town, you didn't bring me here so I'd be cured. You wanted to keep me this way, mad. That's why we... You took me out of that place because they might have made me well again. Go upstairs. You hate me. And now you're going to die and leave me without anyone. I told you I'm not going to die. Oh, Ellie. Ellie, I'm sorry we've had this quarrel. I didn't mean to upset you. Just that I'm upset myself. Tired. I didn't mean the things I said. You bought a casket. Well, it was only an idea I had in case anything ever happened You bought to me. a casket. Lydia, was it for yourself or is it for me? Ellie. You wouldn't. You wouldn't, would you, Lydia? What are you talking about? Hold the lamp up. Hold it close to you. I want to see your face. Ellie, go up to yes, bed. Yes, I can see it in your eyes. It is for me. You're going to kill me. You're going to murder me. Don't be a fool, it's Ellie. It's how you want to get rid of me because you hate me. You... Oh, now I see. I see you love David. You're going to kill me, and they'll come and find me and bury me, and they'll think it's you. Be quiet. They'll think it's you who is dead because no one knows I'm living here, and then you'll go away. You'll go back to David, and you'll say that Lydia has died, and he'll think you're me, and that you're well again, and he'll marry you. You'll have him. You'll be Ellie. You'll have David in my place. Ellie. <laughs> Ellie, stop it. Did you hear what I said? Be quiet. Be quiet. I'll go upstairs and get to bed. Oh, Lydia, Lydia, how can you be so wicked? <laughs> Ellie, Ellie, are you awake? Ellie, dear, you mustn't think any more about what we said tonight. Do you hear? It's not so, Ellie. It's just your imagination, dear. You mustn't think about it. It will be bad for you. Are you asleep, Ellie? She's not asleep. She's lying over there on the other side of the room, staring at me through the dark. She knows it was the truth tonight. She's going to die and that I'm going to kill her. That quarrel. I shouldn't have let her know. I lost my temper. Stupid. I must think clearly. How am I going to kill her? It mustn't look like murder, because they'll suspect things then. No, it must be suicide. How? When? It'll have to be soon now that she knows. I go back in our place. But he'll never suspect. Because I'll be Ellie to him. Ellie, cured and happy again. I'll learn to smile. First she must die. How? Stairs. Stairwell. She gets dizzy if she looks down into the stairwell. Yes, it could be so easy. 
In a day or two, that policeman will come back to the house. They'll find her, and they'll think it's me. Of course. The stairwell. Three floors from the attic here. Three floors straight down. So easy when you think clearly. The stairwell. Of course. Ellie. Ellie, dear. Ellie, you mustn't cry anymore. Do you hear me? Are you afraid of the dark? Well, I'll light the lamp for you, dear. There. That's better, isn't it? Why, you're shivering. Are you cold? Well, come along. Put your wrapper on. We'll go down to the parlor and light a fire. And I'll make you a nice cup of hot milk. Come along, Ellie. No. Oh, Ellie, stop acting like this. Now, come, dear. Here's your wrapper. Put it around your shoulders. That's the girl. Get up now. I'll carry the lamp. Give me your hand, dear. Oh, you're as cold as ice. Now, be careful. Walk slowly. There we are. Hold on to the banisters, dear. That's right. I'll hold the lamp up high so that you can see better. I'm afraid. It's terrible. It's right here, dear. You see? I'm afraid. Oh, Ellie. Ellie, you must get over that fear. Look, Ellie. Just look down. There's nothing to frighten you. Look down the stairwell, Ellie. No! I'm holding you, dear. Just lean over and look down. You can see all the way. No! You see? Nothing, is it? Nothing at all. Are you dizzy, dear? I'm holding. Let me go. I can't stand it. Come closer, dear. No. Closer, Ellie. Me no. Just look at her. Do you hear, Ellie? Let me get back. Look, Ellie. No. Look down. No. No, Ellie. No, no. to my mind, of course, because this is the house. Just here, the next one we're coming to. Yes, she was in to see us just a few days ago. Came in to order the casket. She saw a casket she wanted, and then she told me it was for herself. Well, she must have had a premonition. Yes. I notified the police, of course. She said she wanted me to hold the casket three weeks. Then, just the day before yesterday... The police came back to the house here and found her lying at the bottom of the stairwell, dead. She'd been dead about two days. Hmm. Funny how she knew. The banister up on the attic floor broke away, and she fell. Did she have any people? No. Lived alone, they tell me. We're going to bury her tomorrow. Haskell, her name was. Haskell. That's strange, living all by herself here in a... Big three-story frame house. Yes, isn't it? Thanks. What is it? (laughs) 
my imagination, I guess. I could have sworn I saw a light in the attic window just now. Well, it couldn't have been. The police have shut it up. Of course. That story of yours really gave me the creeps. Come on, let's walk on. Hmm. What a queer thing the power of suggestion is, to be sure. You've conveyed it to me, of course. You know, just now I thought I could hear someone upstairs in there. A woman. A woman singing. A woman? Yes. Sort of crooning to herself. Some kind of a hymn. Closes the Sisters, presented by Roma Wines, and starring Ida Lupino and Agnes Moorhead. Tonight's tale of suspense. In just a moment, we'll hear again from Miss Lupino. In the meantime, here is a true life suspense drama. Your guests raise their wine glasses to their lips. Your reputation as a host hangs in the balance. Will they approve the wine of your selection? Well, no need to feel the least bit concerned if you have elected to serve any of Roma Wine's many different types of taste-delighting California wines. Perhaps the tangy, appetizing Roma Sherry, or the richly satisfying Roma Burgundy, or the delicately delicious Roma Sauternes. And notwithstanding, your cost for any of these good Roma wines is only pennies a glass. Your guest's verdict is sure to agree with this verdict of wine connoisseurs of many lands. Roma wines son verdaderamente magníficos. Les Roma wines son vraiment magnifiques. Roma wines are truly magnificent. Let me repeat the name, please. R-O-M-A. Roma wine. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Ida Lupino. It is my sincere hope that you enjoyed our suspense play this evening. Miss Moorhead and I trust you will join us in listening to Suspense next week when Charles Ruggles is your star. One more word. Remember, Americans, this is the critical year of the war calling for more of everything to win. You answer the call when you buy more war bonds. Miss Lapino will soon be seen in the Warner Brothers picture In Our Time. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Tonight's play was written by George Wells. Don't forget then, next Monday, same time, Charles Ruggles will star in Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world.
This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Now, Roma Wines present... Suspense. Tonight, Tale of Two Sisters, starring Claire Trevor and Nancy Kelly. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you as co-stars Miss Nancy Kelly and Miss Claire Trevor. Both are currently being seen in RKO Productions, Miss Trevor in Murder, My Sweet and Miss Kelly in Betrayal from the East. There is a phrase of Walt Whitman's, the sisters, death and night, incessantly, softly wash again and never again this soiled world. And so with the tale of these two sisters, and with the performance of Claire Trevor as Clara, and of Nancy Kelly as Adele, we again hope to keep you in suspense. Everyone is so good to me. I like being here, but some of the others don't, I guess. Do you hear? They scream sometimes like that in the night. Maybe they scream because they remember things. But I remember things, too. Especially when people come out from town to see me, to bring me things. There's nothing that I want. They can't bring back my sister. My beautiful sister, Adele. Today was Thursday, and they came. And now they've gone. And when they came, they brought back memories of Adele. When we were children. The night that Mother died. The night we made the promise. (laughs) Don't cry anymore, Adele. I'm afraid, Clara. We're alone. We're not alone. But if something happened to you... Nothing's going to happen to me. (laughs) I'm going to take care of you. But that's what Mother said. And now she's left us, too. But Adele, Mother didn't know that she... She wouldn't have left us if she could have helped us. Promise me you won't die, Claire. And that whatever I do, you'll do. And that... And that you'll never leave me. I promise. And we'll be together. Always and forever. Always and forever. I promise. And for years, I kept that promise. Adele and I were as close as anyone could be. We had few friends, and I didn't mind as long as she was happy. But sometimes I was frightened at the way she clung to me after we were grown. I was afraid of what would become of her in case anything ever happened to me. And then something did happen. I met Douglas Foley. Adele liked him until she realized that I'd fallen in love with him. 
Then she hated him in a childish, vicious way. He tried to win her over, but it was no good. And then he asked me to marry him. And I said yes. That night, after he'd gone, Adele was waiting for me in my room. Adele! Clara! <laughs> Douglas told me. Adele! You're so white, darling. You're, you're ill. But you promised me. But Adele, I'm not leaving you. You're going to live no. with us. No, it won't be the same. You promised always and forever. But we were children, Adele. You promised. You promised we'd be together always and forever. I... Adele, you see... If you marry him, I'll never speak to you again. But we were married. And we believed that Adele would forgive us in time. But she didn't. She refused to see us. Then when we learned that my husband's new job was to take us to Europe, our first thought was of Adele. If she would only go with us. But when we drove to her house, she refused to come to the door... And we were forced to sail without her. My son, Doug, was born in Europe. And I wrote Adele a long letter telling her about him, but the letter was returned, unopened. When Doug was just ten, we returned to America. I went directly from the station to Adele's home. She was working in the garden when we drove up. I was shocked at her appearance. Her hair had turned almost white, and there was a strange look about her. I sent Doug to the gate to introduce himself. She looked at him in a puzzled manner. Then she saw us sitting in the car and she turned and walked into the house. The next thing I remember was that day, one month after my return home, when I was put on trial for murder, for my husband's murder. Mrs. Foley. Will you tell us again what happened the night of your husband's murder? My husband was working in the garden all day. When it began to grow, grow dark... Will I... you please speak up? Well, my husband had been working in the garden, and when I called him in, he insisted that he had something to finish. I called him several times after that, but then I became irritated and I gave up. I had my dinner alone, and I went up to my bedroom. Then you admit that you quarreled with him the night of the murder. No, we didn't quarrel. I, I was irritated, but I, I said nothing to my husband. Your, uh, your husband's death was caused by a deep, narrow wound in the vicinity of the heart. It is the opinion of this court that the instrument used might have been an ice pick. Mrs. Foley... Have you any other ideas as to what might have inflicted this wound? No. Had, uh, had your husband any enemies, Mrs. Foley? No. And so I was acquitted that day because of insufficient evidence. I thought Adele would come to me during those awful days, but she didn't. I saw her in the courtroom, but she never looked my way. I believe it was about two months after the trial that my son Doug and his friend Roy went on an all-day hiking trip to the beach. They were light getting back. It was almost dark when I saw Roy coming up the street. He was alone. He was running. Oh, Mrs. Foley, 
Mrs. Foley. Roy, where's Doug? He's down at the beach with her. With who? Your sister. My sister? For heaven's sakes, Roy, will you tell me what this is all about? Well, you see, Mrs. Foley, Doug and I... It seemed that Roy and Doug had forgotten to take along their drinking water, and they hadn't missed it until they'd come to a very deserted strip of the beach. Come on, Doug. Maybe we can get water at that little house over there. Funny place for a house, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Come on. Looks like nobody lives there. All the better. We can just drink out of that faucet in the yard. We won't have to ask nobody. Come on. Sure run down, isn't it? Maybe the faucet isn't working. The garden's all dead. Oh, sure it's working. See? Hmm. Someone's just plain lazy. Well, maybe no one lives here. Oh, sure they do. There's a mailbox. Maybe there's a name on it. Look, Miss Adele Norris. That's my mom's sister. Yeah? Oh, let's drop in and see her. Well, she wouldn't even know who I was. Oh, you could tell her, couldn't you? Say, maybe she'd give us some cake or something. No, she's mad at me and Mom. Come on, let's get out of here. Say, Doug, look at all the dead leaves on the porch. Let's have a look around. No, she might come out. Ah, she can't hurt you, can she? Let's peek in the window. No. Roy! Look, Doug. Place is all upset. It's all dirty and everything. Let's look in the rest of the windows. There's no one around. Oh, here's the kitchen. Look at all the dirty dishes piled up. Say, maybe my aunt is sick. Hey, look. Somebody's coming to the the window. Oh, gosh. What do you want? We wanted to see if you were all right. Go away. Don't you recognize me? No. Are you sick? No. I'm your nephew, Douglas Foley. Go away, whoever you are. I'd like to help you. Go away, I said. Mother wouldn't want me to leave you here like this. Who's your mother? I told you, don't you remember? She's your sister. I have no sister. My my sister died when I was 18. Roy, you go home and get Mother. My aunt is sick. I'll climb through this window and see if there's anything I can do. You stay out of this house, Doug. Let's both go. She doesn't want you here. She's sick. You go for my mother and hurry. If you come into this house, you'll be sorry. If you dare come... You say your name is Douglas Foley? Yeah, that's right. You see, I'm... Douglas Foley is dead. Forever and ever. No, don't you see? The one who died was my father. Douglas Foley came between two sisters. And then he died. Yeah, but I'm trying to tell you. My mother and you are... Well, if he isn't dead, then I guess you'll have to die again. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yes. He'll have to die again. He'll have to die again. He'll well, have... Look, you're sick. You need help. I'm sick? Yeah. Don't you want me to come in? Yes. Oh, yes. Come in, Douglas Foley. Tonight for Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Nancy Kelly and Claire Trevor in Mel Dinelli's radio play, Tale of Two Sisters. Tonight's study in Suspense. We have an interesting idea for you tonight. 
from the keen and sensible mind of America's famed expert on parties and smart entertaining, Miss Elsa Maxwell. And we quote, Serving a nice table wine when friends come to dinner or with everyday meals is one of the smartest, most sensible, and truly moderate pleasures of which I know, and one which any family can regularly enjoy, since the cost of delicious Roma Burgundy is very little. Just serve your Roma Burgundy well-cooled. Enjoy it with any food, and don't worry about special glasses. Any glasses available are perfectly correct. The goodness of the wine, the added enjoyment of your food, these are the things that count. Miss Maxwell expresses perfectly what we of Roma believe. In Roma, California Burgundy, in all Roma wines, you enjoy the glorious color, aroma, and flavor of superb sun-ripe grapes. Our noted wineries, located in California's choicest vineyard areas, assure you of flavor and quality which are always good, never varying, always delightful. And so, Roma quality is preferred everywhere. And you are able to enjoy these fine Roma wines at modest prices. Only pennies a glassful. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines. R-O-M-A. Roma Wines. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Nancy Kelly as Adele and Claire Trevor as Clara, who resumes the recital of this tale of two sisters. A narrative well calculated to keep you in suspense. You see how clearly I remember things? I remember so well the horror of that moment when Doug's little friend finished telling me how he had left Doug there alone with my sister Adele. And I even remember what Roy said at the end. So I came back to tell you, Mrs. Foley, on account of Doug made me. But now I wish I hadn't left him there with her. I know she's your sister and all, but I saw her face when she came to the window. She looked awful, Mrs. Foley. She looked awful crazy. I followed Roy's directions, and I went by foot north along the ocean. I must have walked a good mile before I came to the house. I ran quickly up the pathway. The front door was standing open. There was a lamp burning on the table. Adele. She lay on the bed. I couldn't see her very clearly by the candlelight, but I could see that she was fully dressed. Her hair was undone, and it spilled down over the pillow. For a moment, I thought she was dead. What do you want? Adele. What do you want? It's me, Clara. Where's Douglas? He's dead? <gasps> Adele. Your husband is dead, I tell you. Oh, I don't mean my husband. I mean my son. Where is he? Oh, he was murdered by a long shot. Be still. You don't know what you're saying. Where is my son? I haven't seen him. You have. He was here, I know that. I haven't seen him. Yes, you have. Try, try and remember. Where is he? I, I don't know. Oh, yes, yes, you do know. What have you done to him? Was... He your son? Yes, Adele. Please. I, I hated him. I know, but... Where, where is he, Adele? He went away. Where? Where did he go? He... He went to the village for a doctor. Are you telling me the truth? Yes. How long ago did he leave? I... I don't remember. 
Will you, will you stop questioning me? Can't you see that I'm sick? I tell you, he went for a doctor. Oh, will you call me a Clara? After ten years. I've come to help you. I, I don't need your help. Adele, did Doug really go for the doctor? You think I'm lying? I don't know, but if he is in fact soon, I... I'm going for the police. <laughs> the police. <laughs> the fat fool. <laughs> I'm so sick, Clara. <laughs> I'm going to take the things off, Adele. You'll be more comfortable. Then when the doctor comes... No, no, don't you touch me. Adele, you're sick. Let me take your no. things off. No, 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 can't you leave me alone? Leave me alone! How do you know what's good for me after all these years? Oh, I'm in pain, Clara. I have a heavy pain here by my heart. And when I'm tightly laced, I can almost bear it. All right, all right. We'll leave it till the doctor comes. Will a doctor help me, Clara? Yes, of course he will. Douglas Foley came between... Sisters. Adele. He he worked in the garden. He was bending down low. Oh, I'm so tired, Clara. Yes, try and rest, Adele. Close your eyes. Oh, but he was working in the garden, and and I was on my way home from the sewing club. I saw him there, Clara. He looked the same after ten years, because he had your strength to draw from. But I was alone. I'd grown old. And he had stayed young. And then she seemed to doze off. Her breathing was so labored. And I thought, perhaps she'll rest more easily if I undress her. And I went over to the bed. She was wearing a corset. I reached over and began to unhook it. She started mumbling something in her sleep. You, you broke your promise. Always and forever, you said. But she didn't wake up. And I finally managed to take her corset off. But as I went to place it on a chair, I noticed something protruding from the material. At first, I thought it was a broken stay, but it was round, and one end was sharp. I looked closer. It was a steel knitting needle, a long steel one, and there was rust on it. Or was that brown stain rust? Adele had concealed a knitting needle, and there was proof of what I guess I'd known all along. Adele had murdered my husband. With a shudder, I dropped to the floor, and then something caught my eye. There was a hand sticking out from beneath the bed. It was white and still. It was a child's hand. I fell swiftly to my knees. Doug! Doug! And just as I reached out for him, I felt a sharp blow on the back of my head, and I fell to the floor. And Adele and I were children again. But she was laughing, and we were playing an old game of ours where we tied each other up with our bathrobe cords. And then we waited for a knight in armor to rescue us. It was the odor of kerosene that brought me to. The room was filled with it. My head was pounding, and I couldn't seem to focus my eyes. I tried to raise myself to my feet, but I couldn't seem to move my arms and legs. Suddenly, I, I realized why. 
I was tied with a bathrobe cord. I, I was a child again. Adele and I were playing our games again. My husband, everything that had happened between Adele and me had been nothing but a bad dream. A feeling of relief swept over me. And then suddenly I heard footsteps. And the door creaked slowly open. And suddenly I knew that what had happened had not been a dream. For Adele stood in the doorway. Not Adele, the child who would rescue me, but Adele with gray hair, who hadn't spoken for all those years. She wore a long dressing gown. She was barefoot, her long hair streaming about her shoulders. And there was a vacant, stupid smile on her face. She carried a bucket in her hand, and the odor of kerosene filled the room. She didn't seem to notice me as she went past me, and she threw the liquid from the bucket onto the bed. There! Adele! No, Adele! She paid no attention to me as she left the room again. I struggled wildly, but it was no use. I was tied securely. And then I saw a still figure on the bed. It was Doug. His face was white. He was unconscious. And there was a deep gash at the side of his head. And then Adele came into the room. She had filled her bucket to the brim. And she walked towards the bed again. Adele! Clara? Adele, untie me. Untie you? Why? Adele, listen to me. This is your son, Clara. Yes, Adele, untie me. You were looking for him. And he was here all the time. Please untie me, Adele. I never knew your son. For years, I never knew her. How old is he, Clara? He's only ten. He, he's just a boy. Adele, Adele, you're sick. Untie me, and we'll go for a doctor. You, you want me to be well, Clara? Oh, yes, untie me. Are we friends again, Clara? Yes, yes, we're friends. I, I want to help you. Oh, but... I can't forget the years, Clara. I must wash those years away before we can really be friends again. Adele, forget those years. Let me help you. Untie me. Oh, no. No, we can't forget them, Clara. We must wash them away. That's what I was doing. I was washing away the years. Your husband's gone. And... And your son is all that remains of you. And then we can be sisters again. You don't know what you're doing. Untie me, Adele. But, but this isn't water that I have in this bucket. No, no, you see, you're sick, Adele. It's, it's what I put into the lamps to make them burn. Oh, no. Perhaps I could burn away the years. Oh, yes, that'd be better. Much better. No, no, Adele. Adele, for the love of heaven, untie me. If I could burn away these years that remain on the bed. Oh, no. No, Adele. If I could do that with this candle, well, then you and I could really be friends again, like, like when Mother was alive. We, we could be sisters again. Always and forever. We're, we're sisters now, Adele. Oh, no. No, you're lying. We're not sisters. Adele, Adele, listen to me. We're, we're children. And you've tied me with this cord, you see? And, and now you must untie me. Like you like you used to do when you left me too long and, and, and I cried. No, no. No, you're lying. We're not sisters. And we haven't been for years. 
And now, now I'm going to punish you for lying. Just as Mother used to punish me when we were children. Then she started walking unsteadily towards me. A lighted candle in one hand, the bucket in the other, the liquid slopping over her dressing gown as she walked. Clara, do you remember the time Mother washed out my mouth with soap when she caught me in a fib? Well, that's what I'm going to do to you now. Or... Or perhaps it would be better if I burned it out. No, no! No, now, Clara, don't scream. You're waking your precious son. <laughs> and we mustn't waken him now. Adele, I'm tired. I promise you that I'll take Doug away. We'll both go away. You'll never have to see us again. Oh, no, Clara. And she kept moving towards me, holding the lighted candle close to her breast. You mustn't ever lie to me again, Clara. Adele! You hell! You don't know what you're doing! Wash away the years. Burn away the years. Suddenly, I saw a tiny flicker of flame on her breast. The frilly dressing gown. She'd held the candle too close. Her entire dressing gown was a mass of flames. It spread swiftly to her hair. In a moment, she was a blazing torch. And the odor of burning filled the room. Uh, I could see her face, surprised, uh, and contorted with uh, pain. She turned and looked out the bed of uh, the bucket flaming in her hands. And then she went screaming out the front door and towards the sea. Yes? You mustn't scream like that. I wasn't screaming. That was my sister, Adele. Yes, I know. Try not to think about it, Mrs. Foley. You knew my sister was burned to death, didn't you, Mrs. Willard? She was very beautiful. Yes, I know. Try and rest. Is there anything I can get for you before I go to bed? No, thank you. Well, go to sleep then. I will. Good night. That's right. Go to sleep. Was that my sister, Mrs. Willard? No, no, Mrs. Foley. It was one of the others. They scream because they remember things. Yes. Yes, I suppose they do. Good night. Good night. I remember things, too. I remember. I remember. Promise me you'll never leave me, Clara. And that whatever I do, you'll do. I promise. Always and forever. Always and forever. I promise. And so closes Tale of Two Sisters, starring Claire Trevor and Nancy Kelly. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced, edited, and directed by William Spear. The other day, Elsa Maxwell told us about a friend who had lived many years in wine-loving countries around the world. I gave him some of our delicious Roma California Burgundy at dinner, and he confessed to me that he thought it every bit as enjoyable as any he had ever had. So I say, you people who do not regularly serve Roma wine are missing one of the most delightful treats daily living can offer. It's so good, so smart, and yet so very simple. 
Take Miss Maxwell's advice. Enjoy Roma wine regularly. It's always good, unvaryingly fine in flavor and quality, and only pennies a glass. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines. Roma. R-O-M-A. Roma Wines. Ladies and gentlemen, next Thursday, same time, you will hear Mr. Lee Bowman as star of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. We join with Americans everywhere to salute the Boy Scouts of the world on the occasion of the 35th anniversary celebration of a great movement pledged to the ideals of brotherhood. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Lipton Soup presents Inner Sanctum Mysteries starring Miriam Hopkins. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host, Raymond, ready as always to provide you with your weekly ration of screams, gurgles, and blood. All in a spirit of gentle fun. I have no other object in mind. Except to reduce you to sniveling wrecks of nerves and shudders. Have you got a white sheet handy? You might wrap it around yourself in case a ghost shows up. You'll think you're in the business and pass right on through you. <laughs> now, Mr. Raymond, don't be so silly. You know there are no such things as ghosts. Who said that? Oh, hello, Mary Bennett. So, you don't believe in ghosts, huh? And, uh... What's that standing behind you, huh? Oh! Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Frightening me that way. Shame on you. Oh, I'm sorry, Mary. Can I make amends? Well, you might... You might tell the folks how much you enjoy Lipton tea. Oh, gladly, gladly. Friends, just the other day, a ghost and I were having a conversation about Lipton tea Now, and... here, here, here. Enough of that. Nobody is interested in what you and the ghost said about Lipton tea. Oh. No. Let's talk about real people and the solid pleasure they get from Lipton's. They drink it at mealtimes. They serve it when friends drop in for a visit. And, of course, they often brew themselves a cup of Lipton's during the day. Just because it's so nice to relax and enjoy that famous brisk flavor. Oh, by the way, that word brisk, B-R-I-S-K, is one that tea experts use. Brisk means that Lipton's always tastes tangy and bracing. It's never flat or wishy-washy. Yes, you just don't, don't know how good tea can be until you know how good Lipton's is. Okay, Mary, uh, suppose you go fry me a cup of tea. But uh, keep the kitchen door open because you're about to hear the story of the Bog Oak Necklace. It's an original radio play by David Driscoll. 
And our heroine tonight is that beautiful star of stage and screen, Miss Miriam Hopkins, who will play the role of Emily. Now, be calm, be calm. There's nobody standing behind you. At least nobody you can see. <laughs> At the edge of a lake in a small New England town, two men are busy digging an excavation. Must have been like a cave around here once, huh? Mm. Yeah, old Miss Bristow used to own this property before she sold it to this here city man who's building. There used to be a fine apple orchard right up there. And was all fine trees once. Well, let's dig. That's what we're getting paid for. Hey, What's the matter with you, Polly? Look down there what I just hit with my shovel. Huh? Oh, a bone. Oh, cow, I expect. Cow? That ain't no cow bone, Jerry. Hey, Polly. Huh? Look. Look at this with the bone. Yeah, I, I see it. And you call it a cow bone now? No, I don't. This here must have been a graveyard once. This here was never no graveyard. The river used to come right up to here almost before the big flood. Before they built the dam. Hey, hey what are you doing? Get your coat and hat. You bringing that with you? Of course I am. Hat and... This. Yeah, but there, there must be a skull here, too. Of course there must be. But we don't have to look for that, Polly. But in our job. Come on. <laughs> Jerry and me was digging away there, Mr. Warren, down towards the river. And all of a sudden, Jerry kind of yelled. And when I asked him what's the matter, he shows me this leg bone. So I looks and there's the skeleton right at his feet. I see. So I figure you being the county attorney here, you're the man who ought to know first. Uh, yes. Uh, now, this place by the river that you're talking about... It's the land that city man bought to build a home on? Yeah, that's right. He he bought it from old Miss Emily Bristow. And, and then we found this, too. Around the... Well, I guess you'd call it the neck. That is where the neck would be. <gasps> is there anything wrong, Mr. Warren? Where did you say you found this bone and this necklace? Well, Jerry and me is making a trench for a water pipe, and we're digging where the old riverbank used to be. Right near the river edge. Leave the necklace with me. <laughs> if I need any more help, I'll get in touch with you. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. Forty years. Forty years. Emily. Emily Bristol. What do you want with me after 40 years, Andrew? Look, Emily. Well, these are old woman's eyes. Look closer. Take that away. Take it away. The bark oak necklace, Emily. Do you remember? Presented to Miss Emily Bristow on her 24th birthday by... by Andrew Warren. Where did you get it, Andrew? It was found at the... River Edge, and the property you've just sold. 
Daisy. Daisy. It's come back to us, Emily. After all these years. It's come back to us. The bark oak necklace. The necklace that meant the death of your sister. Daisy. Oh, Andrew. Oh, Andrew, darling. Daisy, there aren't two people anywhere as happy as we are. Of course not. Um, may I tell Emily? Why, yes. Yes, I suppose so. Oh. After all, she's your sister. She should know. Good night, darling. Look at that moon. Smiling at you. Oh. I'm going to close my eyes, and I won't open them until you're down the road out of sight. Good night, sweetheart. Good night. Good night, sweetheart. Good night, moon. Good... Oh, young ladies shouldn't stand staring at the moon that way. Oh, Emily. You frightened me so. I... Did I? Mm. You had a nice drive with Andrew in the moonlight, I hope. Mm-hmm. Emily. Andrew, uh... Andrew. Yes? Andrew and I, we're... Oh, darling. How will I ever stop my heart from beating so I can't... Let me say it for you. You're engaged. There you are. It was easy, wasn't it? For you? You've no idea how easy it was for me. Right here. Emily, I wanted to see you so badly. She's already told me, Andrew. Emily, I want you to understand about this. I know how this must hurt you. You've got to break it off. You've got to. You can't marry her. Andrew, listen to me. Please. Please marry me. I beg you. Emily, we must be sensible. I beg you. If you love me, Emily, you must let me do what I feel is right. I can't let you marry Daisy. You're mine. I must have you. If not me, Andrew, no one. No one else at all. It's too late now. Forgive me. I'll never forgive you. And I'll never let you go. Emily. Never. 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 Emily. Emily, are you asleep? Go to bed, Daisy. Oh, Emily, don't be cross. I can't sleep. You can't sleep? No, I'm so excited. Why, Emily, you're still dressed, too. Oh, so I am. What's the matter, dear? Don't you feel well? Oh, I feel very well. Thank you, Daisy. Emily, what's the matter? Why do you use that tone with me? Oh, darling, you're not feeling well, are you? I can tell by the look on your face. Oh, come on. Come on out into the night. The moon is full, and, and, and let's walk up to the apple orchard. After all, Emily, even though we're going to be separated, it won't be forever. Aren't you afraid to be out here at night? Afraid? Afraid of what? We are at the end of the apple orchard. 
There's the little patch that goes down the river. I think you'd better go back now. I go back? Well, what'll you do? I'm going to stay here. I wouldn't dream of going back to the house alone. I thought you weren't afraid. All alone? Of course I'd be afraid all alone. Daisy, I don't want you to marry Andrew. Emily? You know what you've just said? Certainly. Why, I... Oh, Emily, I'm surprised at you. Well, you're jealous. That's right. I want you to write to Andrew and tell him that you've thought it over and that you've decided you don't love him and you're not going to marry him. How dare you speak to me that way? Now, get out of my way. I'll never talk to you again as long as I live. Have you thought that you mayn't have very long to live? Emily! Emily, I'll scream. No, you won't scream. You won't scream at all. And do you know why? Down in that little pigeon heart of yours, you're frightened. Frightened? Let go of my arms. You're hurting me. You're out of your mind, Emily. I'll let you go when you promise to write that letter. I promise. I, I promise, Emily. Now let go of me. As soon as we get back. Yes, yes, yes. And don't you dare breathe a word of this to anyone ever as long as you live. No, I promise. I promise. I... No, I think we understand who loves Andrew. Yes. I'll let you go. You don't know how close you came... Come back here, Daisy. You'd run away, would you? Emily! Emily, I wasn't running away. Please let me go. Oh. What are you doing with that necklace? I don't! No! I knew Please. I couldn't trust you. I knew uh, I never should have told help. you. Help! Help! Emily! You're joking me. I, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Oh. pity about little Emily, though. Just think what a wonderful hangman she'd have made if she'd been born a girl. Kind of cute, huh? Being taken for a little swing by a girl. <laughs> what a terrible woman she is, Mr. Raymond. Oh, now, listen, I like Emily. She's so inventive. Most women will do anything for a necklace, but only Emily knows what to do with a necklace. <laughs> now, please, you know very well that the only thing you can do with a necklace is wear it. Oh, yeah. Well, the only thing you can do with Lipton tea is drink it. Well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> and, Mr. Raymond, maybe you don't realize how often folks do drink Lipton tea. Why, it's the perfect beverage for so many occasions. And that's why it makes sense to have a good supply on hand to buy the larger, more economical size packages. And it is more economical that way, too. Oh, yes. It's wise to have a large size package of Lipton tea on your shelf because that well-known brisk flavor, that bracing, full-bodied taste, makes Lipton's always welcome. Hmm, that uh, gives me an idea. Maybe we should have had Emily and little Daisy talk out their quarrel over a cup of Lipton tea. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be chummy. But it's too late now. Daisy is stretched out on the ground with a bog oak necklace twisted around her neck. She's not sleeping now. She's just dead to the world. <laughs> so, let's get back to our star, Miss Miriam Hopkins, who plays the role of Emily. Daisy, 
Get up. Get up this minute and stop teasing me. You're not hurt that bad and you know you're not. Please get up, Daisy. You're frightening me. Daisy. Daisy, you're... You're acting... Just as though you were... You were... Dead. I am dead, Emily. You murdered me. You strangled me with a bog oak necklace. You see... You see, you wouldn't be talking to me if you were dead. You've killed your own sister, Emily. Because you were jealous. That voice, that Daisy's voice. But your lips are not moving. How can you be speaking to me, Daisy, when your lips are not moving? They'll find me here in the orchard. With your necklace around my neck. And they'll know you did it. And they'll punish you. You will never be allowed to marry Andrew. I will marry him. I will. Oh, what am I saying? Who am I talking to? Somebody's speaking to me with Daisy's voice. And all your life I'll be speaking to you. Just like this. Because you murdered me with the bug oak necklace. I must do something. I must get some help. I'm somewhere I must get some help. She can't be dead. I, I just pulled the necklace a little bit, not tightly at all. You pulled it very tightly, Emily. Look at my neck and you'll see. You'll see how tightly you twisted the necklace. Stop it. Stop talking to me. I'll never leave you, Emily. Never as long as you you are dead, aren't you? I murdered you. Something dreadful will happen to me. I've got to do something. What, what can I do? The river. I'm near the river. Stones, yes. With twine. Strong twine. Wound around the stones and I tied the stones to her. And I could throw her into the water from the crag on the hill. And the stones would make her sink to the bottom. And then... She'd never come back. Never. And who would know? You know, Emily. Maybe, maybe when I get back to her, she'll be moving and I'll talk to her. No, she is dead. She is... Oh, I... I'm running in the wrong direction. It was over there that I... I killed her. It couldn't have been because... Because she's not there. She... It was right here. Daisy's gone. She got up and walked away somewhere. She's alive. Emily. I found her, Emily. Strangle her death. I know nothing about it. What are you doing then with that twine in your hand? You wanted to tie stones to her, didn't you? Throw her in the river. I... I killed her because I was jealous. You're as guilty as I am. Because you should have married me. Yes, I am as guilty as you are. What will become of me now? All my hopes, my ambitions. If we can get rid of the body, then we can get married after all. It'll only take a little while for people to forget, and 
Then we can go away somewhere. But do you know I never want to look at you again as long as I live. Andrew. I hate you. I came back oh. here to speak to you again. I wanted to tell you I'd done a wrong thing. That I ought to marry you. I wanted to arrange with you about Daisy. How we could tell her without hurting her too much. I was heading toward your window when I saw her. Strangled with a bog oak necklace. What have you done with it? Exactly what you plan to do. Because no woman would have the strength to do it. I had rope in my rowboat. I tied stones to the body. Rode a bit into the river with it. Dropped it overboard. The plan works, you're safe. If it doesn't, you'll die. And I'll go to prison. I'm going now. The moon is down already. Soon it will be dawn. The necklace. What did you do with the necklace? I left it where it was. Around her neck. The sound the necklace makes. I have heard it every night for 40 years. 40 years. Now she's come back to us. To me. Tell me, Andrew. Where was it found? She's been there. At the bottom of the river all this time. During the flood last year, the skeleton... Must have been swept into that old sewer. Twine probably rotted away a long time ago. That's the only explanation I can give. Watching! Down there at the bottom of the river, watching! I'm going now, Emily. It's probably the last time we'll ever see each other. I'll leave the necklace with you. It was to you I gave it 40 years ago. Emily! What's that? The voice, her, her voice. I'm going. Don't leave me, Andrew. Don't leave me. He'll leave us, Emily. He'll leave the two sisters alone. Together. Andrew. We're alone now, Emily. Just as we used to be. You and I. And the necklace. No. Come, Emily. Let's take a walk as we used to. In the old apple orchard. No, no. Come, come. It's getting dark. Dark. No, I, I've not been near that orchard in 40 years. Come, Emily. With me. But I'm old. No, you're young. As young as I am. Come with me. We'll tell each other little secrets, won't we, Emily? Just as we used to. Uh, yes. The crickets will be chirping and the moon coming up, all as it used to be. Yes. And you'll be wearing your necklace, the bog oak necklace that Andrew gave you when he thought he loved you instead of me. You'll wear it the way you used to when you'd steal up there to the orchard to meet him. Remember? When he used to roll to the bottom of the hill and wait for you, and you could stand in the orchard until you heard him whistle. Yes. 
Yes. You've forgotten something. Forgotten. The necklace. The bog oak necklace. Oh. Wear it, Emily. Dear Emily. Wear it. so well, and I can recite, too. Shall I recite you something suitable? Say a uh, Mother Goose rhyme, huh? Mr. Raymond, you don't know any Mother Goose. Is that so? Well, I know one that you love. Listen. Polly, put the kettle on. Polly, put the kettle on. Polly, put the kettle on, and we'll all have tea. Well, that's fine. Only I hope Polly makes sure that it's Lipton tea. Naturally. 
But I suppose there's little doubt that she'll use Lipton's. Because after all, more people drink Lipton tea than any other brand. The reason for that is Lipton's famous brisk flavor. Yes, Lipton tea is never flat or insipid. It always tastes full-bodied and, and vigorous. And, well, I guess it's all summed up by that word brisk. Yes, folks, brisk is the word that the tea experts use when they talk about Lipton tea. So try it real soon, won't you? They say... Of course, I just tell you what the gossip is in the morgues I visit. They say that Daisy and Emily can be seen almost any moonlit night. Skull, gently touching skull, floating through the old apple orchard as of yore. If you'd like them in your home, you could use their ration coupon. Outside of rattling a bit when the wind blows, they're very nice and companionable. Especially on dark nights. And in the summer, you can always use them for scarecrows in your victory garden. <laughs> by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is The Outsider by A.E. Martin. For now, it's really time to close that there squeaking door until next week at the same time when Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup will have once again bring you another Inner Sanctum mystery produced under the direction of Hyman Brown. So until then, good night. Pleasant dreams. Mm. I wonder what our grandmothers would have said if they had heard about Lipton's noodle soup. I'll bet they wouldn't have believed it possible that a delicious chicken noodle soup could come ready to make in an envelope. But if they'd tasted Lipton's, they would have agreed that it has an old-fashioned, homemade flavor, that it tastes just like the kind of chicken soup they used to make themselves. And Lipton's is economical, too. It costs less and makes more than canned soups. So, folks... Be sure to try Lipton's Noodle Soup. And be sure to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That does it for Miss Isla Pino, Agnes Moorhead, Nancy Kelly, Claire Trevor, and Miss Miriam Hopkins in the Tale of the Sisters. I hope you guys have enjoyed my podcast so far. And if you're new, please go back to our first episode with Mr. Orson Wells. And if you like the show, please comment and subscribe. And join me. As this coming Monday, I have on the show Mr. Don Amici and Miss Frances Langford in the CBS comedy show, The Bickersons. And please welcome this coming Tuesday night, Mr. Gene Kelly in two episodes to chill our spines. 
and next Friday, guys, please welcome Miss Lucille Ball as she comes to tickle our funny bones. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Once again, please comment and subscribe. You can find my podcast on Spotify, Apple, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and many others. Please comment and subscribe. Thanks.